Hi, I'm Laura Allen. And I'm Liv Austin. And between us, we are a songwriter, actor, singer, producer, and the hosts of My Amazing Mess, a podcast where we talk to creatives who are right in the middle of developing their own unique careers. They are totally honest with us about what it takes to pursue their dream job, the exciting highs, the disheartening lows, and and the the amazing mess that is everything in between. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This week we have spoken to Rebecca Walker, a choreographer and director who's worked on huge things such as Britain's Next Top Model. She's worked with lots of fashion brands. Uh, She's worked on music videos as a choreographer and director. She's also worked on one of Liv's music videos, or two actually. And in this episode, she really opens up about what it's like to work as a dancer moving into being a choreographer and director, a director mainly of dance based work um, and what that's like to work with people who aren't always used to being moved around such as models and in this one it's really really lovely to hear how her career is moving forward and also where she's at right now it's a great great interview we love speaking to her I really hope you enjoy it so we're back in the studio with our next guest which is Rebecca Walker really lovely to have you here Thank you. Um, so Rebecca is a choreographer and director and has worked on projects for BBC's The One Show Britain's Next Top Model the Burberry advert which when I watched I was like I've seen that before when they're all jumping <laughs> is it kind of like the Billy Elliot stuff yes, yes. Yeah. yeah and the UK lip sync battle so loads mm. to find out about with Rebecca and you've worked with Liv is that right Yes. yes a few times <laughs> a few times actually yeah. yes we kind of met randomly through our mutual friend very close friend of yours yes. megan yeah. and uh she came to one of my gigs and i think actually you were there as well but i think you were with some other people so you didn't really cross paths if we'd have only known yeah. then <laughs> I we, think what we know what now, we know now. <laughs> um but if you're just yeah. listening we've just been bonding over our love of boiled water yeah. which through the podcast we can now <laughs> sell to the world the idea of how great boiled water exactly (laughs) it's so lovely to to be uh witnessing sort of love at first sight between two people (laughs) just like oh yeah this is great (laughs) but yeah you didn't meet that night but but yes we met and had a chat and realized that uh we knew some of the same people Mm. we should probably get on to and then i got you in to work with my then band Mm. on like live performance and sort of bringing a bit more to it than just playing and singing the songs Mm -hmm. which was a challenge (laughs) i have a new band now and it's a bit easier with them but (laughs) but and then i just loved working with you so much and we've you know stayed in touch and all that and i know of the stuff that you've done and i got you into choreograph my two connecting music videos and direct them as well and i thought that the second i decided that i wanted to to dance i was like i want someone who gets what it is i want to do and uh, and I th- thought it was going to be you. And we had a m- meeting about it and just immediately mm. I was like, yeah, Rebecca gets it. Mm. So, you, yeah, you, you did, you know, two videos with me in one yeah. day, which yeah. is just absolutely insane <laughs> and great rehearsal and stuff. And we actually shot it in your flat at the, at the we time. We did, we did. <laughs> <laughs> which is so cool. It's just, yeah, it was nicer than the venue that we were going to use. Mm. So we just decided to do it there. So, yeah, we've worked together quite a lot. And uh, speaking of that, because I remember when we had our meeting before doing the videos that I obviously knew that you were a choreographer because that's like the thing that you're the most known for doing. Mm. But then I talked to you about directing as well because I thought 
in this setting we're doing a music video with dance there's not really that much new stuff that another director can bring on board and mm. I've had you know my experiences of too many cooks mm. <laughs> and uh, and I asked you like do you direct as well and you said that you know you kind of were just getting into calling yourself a director yeah do you want to talk a yeah. little bit about that because I'm curious to hear where you're at with that now yeah r- roughly a year later <laughs> yeah yeah sure I think it's probably um something that comes with the experience of choreo- choreographing that you you learn how to direct because you're around other directors and it's that thing of stepping back and seeing the vision unfold before you and everything that happens around the dancing and what's kind of going to make it connect so I think it's that that builds over the time but I've also just remembered that I think um I've mentioned to you I'd directed my own short videos yes which I'd completely forgotten about at the time and I'd I remember putting blood sweat and tears into those ideas coming up with concepts working with um a video director and getting my dance friends and hiring a venue and providing all the food and it was so like you know everything done on a shoestring back then but really I remember at the time thinking to myself I want to do this to practice and gain skills in knowing how to direct properly for film for later on in yeah. my career. And so I remember I remember when you said it at the time and I was like, oh my goodness, you know, because obviously looking back, I just don't think that those videos are very good, but I think it's the whole thing of stepping out and doing it, isn't it? Yeah, but that's that's the thing we've talked about a lot. Uh, we, uh, we're talking about, you know, different people that you just sometimes you have to just start a project and not be so concerned with where that specific project goes because it's what you learn from it and you can then go well I've done this in the past so Mm. this is not my first rodeo Mm -hmm. I can actually do that Mm. and uh, I want to talk more about the other stuff that you've done obviously but but when we did those videos like how did you find it like what Mm. what is where does choreography end and direction start in Mm. that sort of setting and and Mm. how how do you kind of put that all together yeah um I think well number the number one thing is to really understand the vision of the artist and to get into their head and I think it really helps when you love the artist which obviously I'm not just saying this now but I love you and your work (laughs) (laughs) and um you know reading your story your background where you've come from what it is you want to communicate through your music videos, what's going to make the most powerful kind of visual portrayal of what your brand and your music is is about and what's important to you about connecting with an audience. Um, and obviously the choreography just cannot be an isolated creation. It has to completely weave in with with your idea. So I think getting into, really getting stuck into the heart behind the whole vision and then really you've got you can't even if you're not directing you've kind of got to know how it's going to be directed because then you really know how to work with another director but obviously in this um case you asked me to direct as well and I think what I've noticed about myself over the years and having different experiences of doing that for the screen and live stage is that without realizing I get so passionate about what I'm doing and so involved I start shouting like a director <laughs> and it just happens and I've sort of like now I sort of warn people in advance and I say look I'm you're gonna I'm gonna end up like raising my voice and because I just know when things need to be done I just know that 
it's got to be done with this amount of energy and I have to things have to be done quickly and it's you just get lost in the moment there's no space for hesitating you've just got to you've got to really know it beforehand and then go with your heart in the moment if that makes sense because I think even if you go in with a very structured storyboard of how things are going to play out you've got to you've got to know that inside out and also people really need to be directed everyone who turns up on set they're just kind of they've come with their little practice bit but they need to be told what to do the whole way through because that makes them feel a lot better and they give a better performance but I think obviously then you want to have leverage to to be spontaneous in the moment and be like actually I think this feels better or that feels better and I think that's quite an important quality for a director but yeah. then always having the vision you know in in your mind because otherwise you could go completely <laughs> off course and create something that's got nothing to do with the original um idea see I find it so fascinating as well with uh, choreography especially of in my mind whenever I've choreographed anything it's always been for mm. live theatre I've mm. never even gotten into the the realm of screen choreography and like you're saying how it's needing to be spontaneous how does that process differ from being in a rehearsal space where you've got time to work on it and, and play mm. around with it to then you're on set and things are changing and coming as the camera's moving and what what does that feel like um, if I'm really honest, I've actually had more practice at being spontaneous than I have working for a long period of time in a rehearsal to get everything perfectly synchronised. And that's usually because it's the nature of how music videos or live television works. We have a short amount of time. We've got to do the best that we possibly can in that short amount of time. And when creatives and artists, I think, are given that one chance moment they just go for it <laughs> you know you kind of like and if not the first time it's going to be the second time but obviously when you do have time to develop one thing that does happen which is amazing when you can bring it to the final sort of day of filming or performing you've built such an amazing bond together because I mean in, you know in our circumstance live we everyone bonded straight away and you had that chemistry but that's not always the case so I think you know the benefit of having time to work over kind of scheduled rehearsals leading up to that point is that you really kind of bond and you've got that chance to kind of iron things out. As a choreographer you've you've worked with so many different people at different levels of mm. uh, skill you know, like um, musicians who haven't danced for four years <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but you were amazing with that because you you never made me do stuff that I couldn't do, but you also mm. never underestimated me. Mm. And I thought that was just like the perfect combination. It's, mm. it's not just like, yeah, walk over here. And then like you pushed me. Yeah. But it was also never like, I don't feel safe. Mm. But you obviously work with dancers. You have a close relationship with a lot of dancers. You founded a Models in Motion, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So Models in Motion, the name is obviously quite descriptive. But yeah. so it's an agency. Is that is that the right thing to, to kind yeah. of call it? So you connect people with like the br different brands yeah. with the right models that they need to get because there's a lot of motion like there's a yeah. lot of like movement in adverts and all that sort of stuff and mm. you not to kind of poo-poo people but like I've gone in for commercials and stuff and you see those people we're, we're actors but sometimes if you're in an audition for a commercial and you, you're with models mm. and 
the thing that they know is walking up and down the room. Mm. And if they have to do anything else, they're like, oh, I don't do that, you know? And they're really kind of limited. So so that's like such a, Mm. you've really targeted a a Mm. really big gap in the market there. So when did that start Mm. and and how have you found doing that? Yeah, so I started that six years ago and I was inspired because... um, a few years before that, I worked for a fashion designer for London Fashion Week and his material and clothes were were very, there was lots of layers and layers and layers of fabric. And so the motion of that movement was really amazing. But just on a model walking up and down, it was very limited. And I think working in his warehouse, I was helping, the, I was a stylist assistant and help casting and helping the models to walk on the catwalk. And I just remember getting this vision of, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be amazing if you could bring dance together with fashion, completely transform the catwalk and bring clothes to life. Like it kind of came from there. So I I started that. And um, during that time, I think not long after that, realized that movement was naturally becoming quite a central part of campaign ads because movement is a call to action. So anyone watching it, response and it just wakes you up it does and in any way shape or form um it's inspiring and it it sort of activates something within you so I think there's a real psychology behind it I think you know when you walk down the street and you see this incredible model just standing there very static robotic like looking at you you're you're amazed by the beauty and you think wow that looks amazing I wish I could look like that, but I'm just not going to, you know, rather than like see someone move, move in it, it just, it does something else to the brain. So yeah. I think, and it humanizes it a bit, a bit more. I think so when I, when I started that, I thought also being a dancer in the industry, I kind of really felt like I wanted to create something where I could manage artists in a good positive way and get them work. That was kind of, you know, a lot of, where I was coming from as well in kind of acting as an agent in that sense but I found it quite exciting and then you know obviously started working with some quite big brands and then was kind of then people were calling me to come in and work with models who couldn't dance because I was the whole thing models emotion is representing fashion models who are professional in dance stunt work or sport and moving the world through movement in that sense but working with models who do not like you say know how to move and getting movement out of them and I've had a lot of experience in working with you know people who don't artists who don't know how to move and I find that really exciting because actually you can bring out so many interesting very natural mannerisms and movement that an artist already does and amplify that and kind of as a choreographer and a creative director and what I do I see human potential and I realize I see a lot more than what they see and I think that's something that's very natural to me but I just see the potential in in artists and so I'll be like yes you can do this (laughs) you know like we were working together I was like yeah. Well, you amaze me, Liv, because you just went for it. I mean, I was like, should we just try this? And you were like, yeah, did it. <laughs> On to the next <laughs> thing. And that's the kind of attitude I love working with anyway and the approach. Um, 
it's scary but you know you're willing to try and you're open so you are just going to excel so much quicker as an artist if you're like that because I believe in movement and motion so much I think more and more people need to be doing it so it's a, it's a way to inspire people I guess as well and sometimes people's um it's their mentality that's stopping them before yeah. before they've even hit a point where they can't do it and yeah. one example of that is I've seen the episode where you were uh doing a routine for the models on uh, Britain's Next Top Model mm. when they had the Shires in which is yeah. so funny like the coincidence because obviously good friends of mine but they did their new single and it was a, lot, a bit mm. of PR for them but uh, the models were kind of doing a bit of a line dancey type mm. thing around yeah. them to go with the country theme because this was a few years ago when everyone yeah. was going crazy about country and uh, you choreographed that mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of them seemed to really just it was fascinating to watch it because mm-hmm. they were kind of stopping themselves like I can't do this I can't do this mm-hmm. so what was that like in all honesty the resistance which hits the atmosphere like an avalanche <laughs> <laughs> it really does because you've got the whole crew behind you being like ready go and then suddenly the people that you're working for are just kind of like statues they don't want to move and then that expresses itself in all kinds of different ways. So uh, I think I had 11 or 12, these beautiful young women who every single one of them, absolutely stunning, looking at me like rabbits caught in headlights. Apart from one, I think, who was trained in dance, who was like eager to- Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the fuss about guys? <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting because maybe it's the culture that we we're in over here that feeds into that mentality of like oh no this is something I've never done before don't think I'm good at can't do and it's all of those negatives negative limiting assumptions that stop us physically stop us like literally the brain's like don't take another step forward because you're in danger like it's that kind of real primitive response and I think unless like I say this one particular girl was trained in dance so she was just like I've done this a million times before let's go but there's me being very enthusiastic and positive and you know right we're gonna do a warm-up and it's all like because I've got high hopes I know exactly what I'm gonna do with them not expecting I think within two minutes one of them stormed out of the room which I have to say she did apologize for so much after and I understand it because she felt stupid Mm. and she already feels stupid she doesn't want to look stupid in front of the rest of the nation and so that is her fight or flight I'm gonna get out of here and then when she had a chance to calm down and feel safe again she was like oh my gosh what was was I doing I didn't mean to act like that but that's what we do isn't it Mm. so I think um it was really hard for me I mean obviously for live television it's great for them because it's all a bit of drama which people love but I'm thinking we need to make an amazing music video that's what I've got in my head that's what I've planned for I haven't planned for the emotional stuff to have to deal with but it was it added a huge challenge to my work So then I have to bring in all these other ways of working to try and very quickly work out exactly what's going on. And I've got 12 different people coming with different issues as to why they don't want to dance. And 
obviously the tension is very high because it's a competition. I mean, as it turned out, because it, because it was for television, it actually became an amazing opportunity to stop what we're doing. Because obviously, and this is, I'm guilty of this. I mean, as an artist, I just want to get the job done. Like I, I become very militant, I think, which is good for directing sometimes. But I, I think sometimes you need to stop and just give yourself or whoever the artist you're dealing with a chance to express what's going on because it's a block that's completely stopping them. So we did. We we went outside and we sat on a hay bale and we we chatted it, <laughs> we chatted it through, and we got to the root of the problem. And there was support from another girl, and it was such a challenge. But what's really interesting in that moment is so much more is going on. It's not just like okay, get yourself back involved with the music video because then you're going to be you're going to look good for the competition. It's what happens in that moment that can propel that artist further on in her life. Actually, that particular artist is doing incredibly well in the modelling world. I mean, she's smashing it on every level, modelling, which is really interesting because in that moment, I think you can... That's actually a, a make-or-break moment because if you can't overcome that and you don't have the space and there aren't the people and the support around you to work through that, you can't you can't move forward, can you? Like There is a time to actually stop and be like, this is more important. Yeah. to talk about this I just personally wasn't prepared for it but then I just <laughs> <laughs> but like you say like you say it's about so much more than just what was going in that moment yeah in in that space to for her to have overcome that mm. it, that's now going to be in her mind that she can overcome anything yes, you know you, you can so start to, to feel that I'm really intrigued to hear about how you got into this the business in the first place so mm. was dance your your background or were you choreographing from quite a young age how did you get into it when I was about five I went to a ballet class and I didn't in, I didn't enjoy it. I actually this is a true story. My ballet teacher told my mum to never bring me back because I remember oh, this. God. I was 5 years old and I remember this so clearly. <laughs> I remember doing all the exercises at the bar and thinking this is the most boring thing I've ever done in my life and trying to choreograph my own little dance <laughs> routine on on the other little children in the class. And for that, I got reprimanded and my mum was told to never bring me back. It was a very strict ballet class in a church hall. But I remember then just being like, we can skip around in a circle instead. And that's way more exciting and interesting. So I'd say that's the very first thing. Then the first time I heard Michael Jackson and I saw Michael Jackson do the moonwalk and that beat just literally brought me to life like I just I can't explain it it's and I'll still feel it today like my whole body responds to that beat and I just want to move to it so I think I got into that Janet Jackson Britney Spears watching all the videos learning all of the routines and then I did dance slash drama GCSE and loved it loved it loved it but my dance teacher at the time said to me she was like Rebecca you look like a dancer and from that moment, I just thought, that's what I am. <laughs> I look like one, that's what I am. And was actually really pushed down the ballet route because I have all of the physical ballet anatomy sort of attributes like high arches, turned out hips. So physically could could have gone down the ballet route, but I'm quite glad I didn't. But I then actually I didn't go down that way for a long time sorry this this is a long answer to your story because 
it that's is what we're here for yeah <laughs> it's fascinating it really is yeah so this is really interesting i underneath it all had absolutely no confidence in myself whatsoever and i i was i was in a lot of ways very very socially very confident and then i lost my confidence and i had terrible 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 phobia of being seen or being heard so I won't go into it now because it'll just take too long but the things I did to avoid being seen by people <laughs> was just like going the long way around everywhere you know it's all this kind of stuff so I think deep deep down I remember just feeling this unstoppable force of passion to want to dance but it was so far from what I thought I could do and also I didn't really have the opportunity I wasn't going to classes or we didn't live anywhere like that but it was a deep deep desire of mine and I ended up working for my church at the time because I used to go to church took a year out did lots of mission work and then I ended up working with young people for five years I did that and I mainly focused on music and dance to help young people who were really struggling in their life for one reason or another and I devoted my life to lots of young people and I used dance and music as a means to really help them in so many ways like that's probably another topic but then at the age of 24 <laughs> I basically was like oh my goodness what am I doing this is my life I need to be doing this uh, to a professional level and an actual miracle happened backtrack to when I was 16 I used to watch gladiators on television every week and Jet who was the only dancer would do a jeté leap onto the you know onto her spot and be like spin around loads of times and be like and I'm Jet and I remember watching this and I remember thinking oh my goodness I'm gonna meet her one day I'm gonna meet her I was 16, I didn't tell anyone. And then when I was 20, 21, I ended up meeting her. And we became very good friends. And we worked together. And she trained me one-on-one. -on -one. So I was trained by a gladiator. One-on-one, -on -one, intensely, for a year, she got me into dance school. True story. <laughs> Talk about manifesting. I know. Like, oh, we were literally just talking <laughs> We were talking about vision boards right before we start, right before you got here. And uh, <laughs> I'm just going to share this because it's funny. I just talked about my vision board and I showed some of the, the photos that I've like cut out and stuff like that. Yeah. And Laura's like, oh, I love it. Can you do my vision board? <laughs> and I was like, I think, I think you should do it. <laughs> Anyone's vision is great. Just give me some vision. I like, I like this vision. This is great. <laughs> but but yeah. can I just say, it, mm. if I now think I really would like to meet George Clooney, might that happen in about five years? <laughs> I think, Actually, I've been saying it for yeah. many years. So I'm surprised it hasn't happened by now. <laughs> Keep saying it. No, but that's the that's thing. Like if you, yeah. Sometimes you just have this feeling because you actually mm. believe it and mm -hmm. you're like, mm -hmm. I'm going to do that one day. And I don't know how long it's going to take, yeah. but I just believe. And I think that you you are quite spiritual, aren't yeah. you? And you, you're Very, connected yeah. to that belief. And I mm. think, you know, I could go on about this stuff forever. Mm. And some people find it annoying and people interpret it in all sorts of different ways. Mm -hmm. So I do worry about being uh, misunderstood when I talk about it as well. Sure. People are like, oh, law of attraction, that's good for you sort mm. of thing. And it's not quite, it's not very airy-fairy to me at all. Mm. I think it's like you do manifest stuff 
when you believe it you start actually acting as if it's yeah. going to happen and that mm-hmm. brings you to that place mm-hmm. yeah. um i don't you know think it's more complicated than yeah. that but it's just the complicated thing is to believe in it i yeah, think totally. so it's lovely mm-hmm. to hear a story like yeah. that so did mm. how did that step then move into choreography did mm. you have a career as a dancer or did choreography happen quite quickly well funnily enough i mean actually my first so i used to go to 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 Dai Mayhi, his jet's actual name she, i used to go to her dance classes and she she trained me obviously but my i actually did a job with her um, in a school and, and cho- cho- worked with her choreographing. So that was my first experience of it. When I did my professional training, choreography was one of my um, subjects and it was my worst. I mean, I absolutely, I hated it. And I thought, I just want to be a dancer and told what to do and I'll dance. I don't want to have to think of a routine. I mean, I was like, I mean, you kind of have to be like this when you're at training in training school because it's so physical and demanding. You've got to love it with your life and sacrifice everything to be there and I was like more than that I was just you know that was not hard for me to do um because I wanted it so badly and I'd kind of waited I'd waited so long I didn't even think that trying to find a job as a dancer would be hard I was like this is it this is my life now I'll just leave here and go straight into it and and job done um so when I left and I started auditioning uh, and I really wanted to get into companies and I did get I got, got into a company I really wanted to get into but um I realized how hard it was out in the industry, in the real world. And what's really interesting in then is that whereas it, when I was training, I probably wasn't, you know, I wasn't obviously as good as, I hadn't peaked then, but I had so much confidence. Or actually, no, I wouldn't say confidence. I didn't have confidence. I just had no doubt. There was no doubt in my mind that I would, that's what I'm doing, my calling. So I didn't even sort of question whether it would or wouldn't happen. And then when I got into the real world, I realized how hard it was. And then actually what happened slowly over time, the rejection, um, the having to perform not just your best, but better than anyone else around you and stand out. The reality of that kicked in. And I think that was really, really hard for me. I, I performed with companies for about five years and I got an agent as well um, in that year. But I, and my first dance job was actually on a movie and then this happened I got um asked to audition for Amy Winehouse and (laughs) I can't believe I did this but I was so terrified that I I had my time my slot booked and everything to go and I basically rung up my agent and and lied and said I'm ill I can't do it or probably thought of a much worse excuse than that because you know that's just not a good enough excuse and then I realized I was terrified of not being good enough so that I'm sort of losing touch of like exactly how long it took for that to happen. So I realised I was like, actually, this is really, really hard. Not just, it's not the working as a dancer, it's the, the auditioning for the jobs. That's what's really hard about all of this. And then I got my my first big choreography job was basically for Rent, the musical for the director, Tom Sutherland. And the MD I was working with at the time doing some teaching work and he asked me he said our choreographer has just got a job doing Chicago can you come and literally jump in at the last minute so I was thrown in to this theatre for a month working with everyone on rent and obviously had never really done a paid choreography job before it was within six months of me leaving professional training and and obviously like I said I didn't enjoy the subject and I was thrown in with 
very talented actors who could also, because they had to for the show, play about seven instruments each, uh, sing, dance, do everything. And it happens to become my favourite musical as well. And I absolutely loved it. And I remember leaving there thinking, that's it. I want to become, that's what I want to do. I want to be, I want to be a choreographer. So I think it sort of happened quite quickly. And I was, I was actually performing a lot in companies. I was kind of getting that out of my system. But I think in terms of actual work, felt so much more satisfied by creating the vision and then sitting back and putting it all together and then sitting back and seeing it that for me because I remember being on stage I think in the Blackfriars Theatre doing a big show and I remember running off into the wings and just having this moment of reality of like this isn't enough for me as a dance performer I I need to do more and then I just got booked for choreography work um I keep saying to people when they ask me do you still dance and I say no but actually that's not true because I still do dance jobs but because and I'm grateful for everything that I do, but I just have no, it's not my ambition. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, and I kind of realised that you've got to be at the top of your game to be able to do anything and, and do it at the drop of a hat, obviously. And I'm very, my work ethic is really high on that. But I, yeah, the choreography is kind of what I realised in my soul. That's what I love. It's really interesting as well that you say that you were working with an MD, which is a musical director. And that's, you yeah. do, you do kind of meet people doing jobs that yeah. then bring you on. Because I'm always so, so intrigued of how people kind of have suddenly got into doing, yeah. you know, a certain strain of something. Um, so just the fact that, you know, you were working with someone mm. do, in a school doing something yeah. and teaching and then that brought you in. Yeah. How, how has it been? I'm the most fascinated because it's the one thing that scares me is live television. Yeah. I, I always watch presenters and I think, I don't know how I don't know how they do it I don't know how they yeah. do the live I'd pronounce people's names wrong mm. I would um I don't know I'd need the loo halfway through her <laughs> I don't know I'm always looking at them like you haven't had a break in ages do you not need a wee yeah. what's going on <laughs> um do you, how has that been that like yeah. that pressure of live tv honestly the idea of it is probably way scarier than in the in the actual moment and I think what it comes down to is it's that spontaneity thing and also it's that thing of just like right five six seven eight go and there's no you know kind of like eyes light up face lights up let's just make this happen and throw yourself into it and not to think too much and I think there are definitely I think I think if you have time to think that's when the nerves go go in I mean the last thing I did was for BBC for the one show and it was um celebrating the new Mary Poppins which was just about to come out and so I recreated the Mary Poppins like medley and we filmed it all around London and then my last part of the job it was a massive job over a few days and the last part of it was directing um 250 choir members and this honestly is in every single one of my experiences, this is how it happens. I get called in to choreograph one section and then things just get added (laughs) on top as I go through the day. And I remember literally in the car driving with the producer from one location to the next. She's like really wonderful. In fact, the whole team were just amazing. Every time I work for the one show, it's just so much fun and brilliant. It's brilliant. And it was BBC Scotland that were doing this one. And obviously because 
I'm always thinking, this is an opportunity. This is how I market myself. And it's all about connection. And it really is. It's about relationship and connection. And I think we were in the car chatting and she said to me, we're going to do the second part of this. I'd love to put you forward for it. Would you be up for it? And of course, I'm like, yes, (laughs) I would love to, please. And then um, what happens is you get, well, I find... I get so used to saying yes straight away with so much enthusiasm. I haven't really thought about what it is I'm saying yes to. (laughs) And then before I know it, (laughs) I've got someone's handing me a microphone and saying, right, over to you. (laughs) And that's what happened when, um, you know, we'd filmed the nannies across Westminster Park. We'd filmed the chimney sweeps on top of the old BBC building. And then (laughs) we did the bankers outside the Bank of England during rush hour on a Friday afternoon in the pouring rain with everyone filming and watching it. And then on the last part of the day, I'm just told, you know, can you just give a bit of movement to the... There's going to be 250 choir members. Can you just just think of a few moves? It's never just think of a few moves. Could you choreograph an entire routine for that song? And I always know that, so I have something up my sleeve. But then what's so funny is no one is actually... No one knows who's actually leading and directing it. And then uh, I got ha- I got handed the mic um, by the producer and was like, can you, I think you should direct this whole thing. So I didn't have a chance to think about it. I just had to, and I did, I remember literally feeling the fear just went straight through my body because the director of the one show was there. It was outside the BBC building. There's like 20 crew members all who are men and I'm not making it you know it's like it's again I'm, I'm, I'm a female like directing and it's uh, there is still a bit of that they were all incredibly supportive encouraging of me but there's all these little things that come rushing into your head in that moment <gasps> I'm a woman I haven't thought about this I don't know what I'm doing help and and so what you do in that moment you ha- you haven't you've got to give it your best shot and I think actually those moments never get any easier because also I've got to be creative in that moment as well and when things don't work I've got to change it and luckily I had a mic and I could take control but you've got to project your voice you've got to have authority you've got to make people laugh you've got to like it is so overwhelming what's happening in those few seconds that it's amazing how quickly it's like you know when you immerse yourself in freezing cold water the body kicks into action and starts healing at such a high speed I think it's really similar it's a really similar experience it's like we haven't got time to be negative we just have to do the best you've ever done and actually that's when you I think that's when you do you do do the best that you've ever done and you kind of you know you kind of go for it but I just I remember feeling, feeling like how many more times have I got to go through this because you can never plan it. It's like you really put yourself forward and you make sure people know your best skills and then you get thrown in the, into, the, into the deep end and you're never kind of short of new experiences and challenges that brings bring, brings up fear. And obviously with it being re- re- live TV, that's it. It's, it's, it's that or it, do you know what I mean? It's like all the mistakes that happen. And do you know what? I remember Liv and I, we, we had this conversation, I think when we were doing, doing your music video, that's really maintaining a positive very open loving and embracing atmosphere is 
and encouraging is so key, isn't it? To yeah, yeah, what you produce in the moment and being that person that other people can trust, and you know, you being approachable and. It's so much about that, I think. I think you're very, very good at doing that because, and to me, that is when I feel like I really trust somebody because I can, I've experienced and I can understand and empathize with people Mm. who get put in that situation where they have to direct and or choreograph loads of people where they get a bit defensive Mm. and authoritative in a not so nice way. And they're like, guys, I've done this for 20 years. Can you listen to me sort of thing? And, And I get it because you're nervous and people react in different ways but when you're just like guys come in let's talk you know let's talk about how excited we are to do this and that sort of stuff I'm like I trust you because Mm. you're actually listening to other people yeah and uh and having fun Mm -hmm. as well and Mm. so I trust you even more to tell me what to do yeah (laughs) and I think as well with when I I know when I have had personal experience Mm. with doing my best work it has been when it's come from someone who's been encouraging and been excited about what could be made and what could be the finished result what that could be when Mm. I've been on a set say with somebody less encouraging and a bit more I've kind of been just nervous to be there yeah it doesn't necessarily bring out my best work how do you kind of deal with that when there are other people who are not sort of giving that same thing they're they're Mm. not an easy person to work with yeah because it's like you get all sorts of different personalities Mm. on a set and like we've experienced you know with uh our music video and stuff people kind of blurring the lines and taking your job a bit and you kind of go I want to keep it positive here Mm. but you're making it very difficult for me like Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. how do you deal with that I find it really hard actually I don't know if I deal with it very well I think and I say that because I find it very difficult in the moment because it's do you know what it's an emotional thing it's all about feelings at the end of the day. And if the feelings weren't there, no one would care. What I find annoying about it is an unnecessary thing that comes in the way of what you're trying to produce because it just becomes about that person. And what yeah. it's and I'm just like, that's not what that's not why we're here. It's this we're here to produce what the client wants. That's why we're here. Yeah. So whatever way that happens, that has to happen. And I think um it throws me. It just throws me because I'm just thinking, why, why are you being like that? <laughs> what, what are you doing? Like, this is a professional job. Like, what are you? Why are you coming up with this arrogance or resistance or com- competitiveness? It's like you've got your job. I've got my job. But it's funny because I mean, everyone's human, aren't they? And um, I don't like it when someone is like that. And also, it puts me off because I know I'll never work with that person again if I have the opportunity I would never book that person again it's too it jeopardizes too much and so I always just think oh my gosh please I was thinking to myself please don't be like that but I have seen I have witnessed people displaying that kind of attitude and behavior and then I have seen at the same time a very high up self-executive producer or director clock what's going on they say nothing but you know they're thinking we will never book you again (laughs) that's how it works what an important lesson in this industry of an industry where you get work from work that you've done previously exactly so important has there been any of those moments that you can pinpoint in your career up to now or maybe it was that moment between you know dancing and stepping into choreography where you thought Mm. 
Mm. I've had enough, you know, I want to do something different. Has there ever been a moment where you think, I love what I'm doing, but Mm. the world around it doesn't suit? Now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's interesting. This is such an interesting topic to bring up. I actually wrote to a really good friend of mine who's a musician in Canada recently and uh, we were talking about this and I I wrote down that we're taught to thrive off uncertainty but it backfires and that's honestly what I think because it's almost like when you're trained you're being passed information about how the industry acts and you have to comply to that and so you go in And you know how life is supposed to be, kind of, normally. And then you go into this chaotic world that doesn't really make sense. And you practice being at the mercy, almost submissive, to the way the industry treats you. But at the same time, you're trying to be bold and confident and self-righteous and humble at the same time and loving and lovely and all this sort of stuff. No wonder people go mad and they turn to like drugs and alcohol and all this sort of stuff. I think it's really important to hold on to your self-worth and have a really holistic sense of your well-being and your sustainability as a person, not an artist. And I think what's really interesting is um, I really believe that creatives and artists have a very special calling in life because your gift is to communicate uh, one way or the other. And you know from experience and anyone out there listening that the power, the amazing power of the impact that your creativity has on other people and the way it influences them is really important. It's like, it's what the world needs and, and creativity is is a solution in in many ways to the world's problems. It's really important that we uh, we use our gifts and we recognise the value in that. But because our industry, I feel, doesn't give us anything back, it's really hard to keep giving on empty. So how do we cultivate a lifestyle where we get back what we're giving? And I think there's a missing there is a missing link. You know, I'm older. I mean, I'm 40 years. I turned 40 last year. In a lot of ways, I feel, I feel very youthful. Just, I think it's the dancer, healthy lifestyle kind of way of life. And um, I'm really grateful for that. But I feel like it's very easy to feel burnt out, I think, by the industry. And to forget why you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing, which is so tragic because actually what you're bringing you're bringing so much value not just in in what you do but in who you are which I think you know goes back to the kind of when we're talking about dealing with difficult people people remember the experience that they have with you as a person as well as what you do but it's it's experience that they have with you as a person that's what they're going to remember that's what's influential and you know coming back to the reality tv like people see that on screen so you're kind of displaying yourself to 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 the nation or the world or whatever and um and we could probably unwrap this topic in in so many different ways but I don't think as artists you're trained to know how to really self-care and look after yourself and you're kind of you're constantly fighting for position and for recognition and to be paid properly and like you're always chasing payments and you're always 
negotiating pay and, and all this and it I think it dampens your sense of of worth in who you are and what, what you're giving so I think I think there's the opportunity this is actually what I'm I'm really thinking about at the moment there's an opportunity to switch that around I don't know what the answer is yet but I am really looking into this because I think it's so important because you know you've got that passion and that drive for a reason and it should not be snuffed out for the wrong for the wrong reason you know it's um yeah I hope that makes sense it makes so much sense that I want to do a whole other episode just talking about that. It's such an uh, an inspiring. This is the most inspiring response uh, yeah. to that question I've ever had, um, and I almost don't want to like do anything after that because we yeah. have to wrap up. But mm. I also just want to ask you: Have you, or is maybe the answer now to that too? Have you had a moment where you felt like you just were doing exactly what you wanted to do where you mm. kind of felt like you look back and think of it as like the highlight of your career or when you were the most happy with mm. doing what you do I'd say every single job I've done I feel like I'm in my element doing what I'm called to do <laughs> when I'm in it doing it whether it be reality tv or working in fashion or music or working with an artist one-on-one when I'm doing it, that is exactly what I'm meant to be doing. It's, yeah, I don't even question it. It's funny. I think it's um, the rea- the reality, I think, is what I feel, you know, what we were just talking about. I think it's, it's, that, around, it's that around it that I think brings in those questions of like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, do you know what I mean? It's, mm. it's, um, it's been a real bone of contention, I think, the whole way throughout my career. And I'm speaking very honestly, but right now it's like um, you have to, and it's okay to be in this place, I think, for me now, because I've had several moments where I've had, um, especially with the more directing work I've done, and I've had people who I really respect in the industry who've kind of been my role models I guess they didn't realize it by <laughs> following them my whole life but they've been said to me you know you've got you push yourself into directing like you've got you've had amazing opportunities that's where you need to go directing and television all this sort of stuff and I'm like okay okay yes that's what I'm supposed to do that's what I'm supposed to do. and even now I'm thinking I'm still being like flung around with the opportunity because you know it's just like if you just keep going and you keep doing that but I think it's okay to step out of it and just be just stand still in the nothingness and just check in with yourself that you are holistically living you know your whole your whole life because if you if you're not careful i think you can become a slave to the to the industry and actually be robbed of your of your gift and that's why i think it's important to take time and actually to have amazing friendships and people around you that you can go through that with and don't avoid asking questions about it because you know when you get that anxiety in your the pit of your stomach and you're thinking is this normal <laughs> you know yeah. just get used to living with anxiety because you're always anxious because you're always having to perform or, or do an audition but there could be another something else is trying to talk to you about you know and trying to draw your attention like it doesn't have to be this way I think and I honestly I think we could like you say we could talk about this for hours because I think so much so many of us could actually bring so much to the table about this issue and start to change things if not for the whole industry just just for ourselves and actually 
you know, how can we be really effective as artists and not go the route that's just presented to you or that you think you have to go, but you could actually get way further, way higher, a different way that's going to keep you sustained and healthy and happy for the rest of your life and earn what you should. I mean, so. that's why we have these conversations <laughs> on this podcast. I think it's exactly. the reason that we decided to do it in the first place. So yeah. that's been so insightful and helpful and so interesting thank you so much for coming to talk to us thank you for having me hi everyone it's Liv here thank you so much for listening to our conversation with the amazing Rebecca Walker I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did we have now come to the end of the interviews that we did before we all had to stay in our own homes so therefore starting next week Laura and I will take turns sharing episodes from the archives we will share episodes from series one and there are so many great ones to choose from that we think might be appropriate now It'll be interesting for those of you who are new to the podcast that you might catch up on episodes that you haven't heard before. And if you did listen last year, then maybe you'll pick up on something new this time. So do tune in again next week for an episode from the My Amazing Mess archive. We still have a few messy musings to share with you. So definitely check in on Fridays because they will be brand new episodes. So see you on Friday and catch you again on Monday. favorite part of the week what do you do for the rest of the week um, nothing <laughs> just wait till just we like, like, <laughs> is it monday yet <laughs>everyone it's Liv here while you're waiting for the next episode of my amazing mess to come out why don't you check out one of the podcasts that we love listening to one of my personal favorites is no such thing as a fish which is a weekly podcast produced and presented by James Harkin Andrew Hunter Murray Anna Tashinsky and Dan Schreiber they gather around the microphone every Friday and they each share their favorite quirky weird fact from the week honestly if you need a good laugh if you need to pick me up this is the perfect podcast for that it always makes me smile it's really super clever and you actually learn stuff too check out no such thing as a fish wherever you get your podcasts and of course let them know that we sent you